you are you are listening 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 to 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 episode 314 of the major issues podcast does someone hear an echo that makes sense we're covering echo marvel's latest project out of the mcu the major issues podcast starts right now Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast. And as always, I am never alone, sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am all-star Asa Griffith. Welcome, welcome to the studio again. I'm, I'm finding you in the studio more and more, and I'm digging it, I'm digging us chopping it up about some of the stuff that we've been talking about uh, lately. It's been, a, it's been a, a, a real blast. And today, we have the benefit of talking about the latest MCU project, the Echo miniseries um, that just dropped not too long ago. It was spun out of Hawkeye um, and seemingly tangentially related to Daredevil. In a lot of ways, um, you know, we've gotten the uh, we've gotten the christening from Pope Feige. He has blessed the Daredevil and Defender series. <laughs> they are now allowed into the house of the MCU before they had to eat outside. But I think now they've actually been brought inside, um, you know, to join the overall MCU family. And this echo was almost a sneak peek at what could happen when those two worlds kind of merge. Before we get into um, the homework and everything that comes with this series in our recap and review. What do you think of uh, the character of Echo? But I guess I should say, what do you think of the character of Maya Lopez? I don't think we've met Echo yet until this series completes itself. But we did get to meet Maya in Hawkeye for a bit um, as she led the tracksuit mafias. Did you like uh, the portrayal of that character? And what do you think about the actress Alakwa Cox? Uh, well, I, I mean, I I was super unfamiliar with Echo up until Hawkeye. Um, that that portrayal of her made me kind of just kind of jump into her a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I I kind of dig her. You know, like I mean, kind of. I wouldn't necessarily say hero, necessarily say hero, more like an anti-hero in the comics. There, the yeah. show kind of really kind of puts her on the path to seemingly becoming maybe a hero. Right. But, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I enjoyed the, how the, how the, how well written she was. I agree. I agree. Um, it was interesting to see a character like that that had no qualms about getting their hands dirty. I mean, I guess Hawkeye was even a, a toad dip into what could be a much more adult, a much more grounded uh, MCU. We're all hearkening back to the the craziness that was Marvel Netflix and ever wondering if we can get it even close to there. This was actually TVMA. This was um, under the Marvel Spotlight banner, which I'm not sure what they're going to do with that moving forward. I'm very interested. Is this like a like an experiment kind of area where they get to like kind of place things and see how how they work? Um, what do you think about that new branding and, and sort of, uh, you know, choosing to dare to go with that rating for a show like this uh well one uh i think mature is always fun um you know like that way you kind of really the the mcu can kind of be one something for everybody you know in some cases you have cartoons some cases you you know like with wandavision kind of gave you that sitcom vibe with, some, with a lot of comic feel 
Um, you know, and so I thoroughly enjoyed the maturity um, mm -hmm. as well as all the other stuff. So them veering that route is very appreciated for me. Um, again, the only downside is a lot of times you can't watch these with the kids in the room. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Um, the, the, the spotlight banner, uh, I, I like it, you know, especially if we're going to, if it's going to focus on, you know, little two hour, three hour snippet of a character just to build it into the MCU. I think it's a good, I, I personally am a big fan of the spotlight uh, as going forward. I think it's also interesting. I remember when they dropped the Defenders, you know, I, I call the entire, you know, that that series of shows, either Marvel, Netflix or Defenders, you know, mm. interchangeably. But I mean, the Jessica Jones, the Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Punisher um, and Defenders. Um, when the, all that stuff got brought over to Disney Plus, what I thought was interesting was you, I, I got a notification that was like, you need to change your uh, settings mm -hmm. to adult. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we, what are we doing over here, Disney? Like, oh, you're telling me you put on the fancy pants for this. Okay, let me let me get all that stuff uh, situated. Um, and yeah, that was big for them to to kind of bring this in. I was kind of wondering about um, the the reason, the possible reason they could have dropped this all in one day. Um, uh, there was a lot of back and forth about the episode count and how long it was going to be the rumor that i've heard most recently was that this was going to be six episodes and mm -hmm. they found a way to like chop things up to for it to for for us to get the five that we did get um something that i thought was a bit odd was the episode lengths like they are all over the place <laughs> with these um and it can't be easy to start and stop the story that you're trying to tell and find almost yeah you know, the perfect places to start and stop it. Um, we'll ultimately, it will be revealed that these chapters are dedicated to Maya's ancestors. That's kind of the framing device that they created, but I don't know if that was necessarily what they started with. And thus, once they've decided on this idea, then you end up kind of chopping the series up a bit differently. Did you get that feel at all? Um, not at first. Uh, you know, uh, it was, it's funny because as I, as I was going through and doing, getting my notes ready for the podcast, I went through and I'm started. I'm like, oh, episode one. Oh, that's Chaffa. Episode two and so on. I'm like, oh, it's everyone's name. All the, all the, <laughs> all the other names. And so I got it as I was getting ready. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, it was weird that it was like, I feel like it, as the, as the, as it started off, it was like a, like a, I feel like the first episode was like an hour and 20 minutes. It wasn't, but I feel like it was. Yeah. And then it was like the second episode was like an hour. Then it was like 45 minutes down to like the the last episode felt like it was over in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's almost, I mean, yeah, no. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, so let's get the homework out of the way. Uh, Echo is a TV miniseries created for Disney Plus based on Marvel Comics featuring the character of the same name. It is the 10th TV series in the MCU produced by Marvel Studios and it's a spinoff of the series Hawkeye. Echo sees Maya Lopez return to her hometown where she must come to terms with her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace her family and community. Like I said earlier, they exist under the Marvel Spotlight banner, and all five episodes of the series were dropped on January 9th. Um, so I know that it was rumored that they dropped all the episodes. Like, the first response the fan base had when they when they was announcing that they dropped all the episodes is like oh this might not be good then like they're dropping all the episodes so that this doesn't stay in um conversation for months it doesn't have anyone dangling and hanging and then being disappointed uh somewhere down the line 
my tinfoil hat um, theory is they dropped all the episodes so that they didn't have to keep promoting an, a TV MA show week to week on on Disney Plus. I, I I'm I'm curious about the younger audience that is aware that there might not there might now be content that is connected to the universe that they love that they may not be of age to witness yet. What do you what do you think about uh, that kind of thing? I like that as a headcanon. I mean, it makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, no, I, uh, no, man, I, I didn't, yeah, I did see all the backlash, you know, essentially everyone kind of going, oh, it's not going to be any good or whatever. Um, I, I personally, I like, I like the whole drop off. It gave me the, the old Netflix vibe where I could, I could binge it. You know, if I missed something, I could pause it and go back. I didn't have, you know, not having to wait the week to week. Um, right. There was something lost there in the buildup, mm-hmm. but I don't think this was the story that needed that. I feel like it, it. I feel like it told the story it wanted to tell in a very effective way. Yes, without having to go look at this giant plot point on a cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, see you yeah. guys in a week. So, no, I agree. I there's a even a little bit of me that wonders what this would look like as a clean TV movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you take out certain parts, you move some things around. And I really wonder if this would have sang more. Because like you said, when you have that episodic format, you're kind of forced to create artificial cliffhangers. And then you credits and then where, <laughs> you know, you can just kind of tell this linear story about this character that we didn't even really know about. Um, and yeah, I was surprised that they dropped the whole series like this in one go too. I love a binge as much as the next guy. Um, it really reminded me, like you were saying, about the Netflix series, how they used to drop. But some time has passed since those Netflix series dropped as they did. And I am not as young <laughs> as I used to be. No, so, no. like, uh, you know, so to cover this whole series, it meant I had to be up pretty late. And that meant that I'm a mess at work the next day, which is usually a no-go because I'm literally the production manager and I have to be productive. <laughs> it's part of my, <laughs> it's part of my, uh, you know, it's my job description. Uh, so usually in a situation like that, where I have a long night of recording or taking notes, I would binge coffee the same way I would this, this show or energy drinks. Um, those used to be my saving grace in that kind of situation, but always left me jittery. Um, and the crash was always horrendous. I would literally nap in my car for, you know, just to get some kind of semblance of normalcy before I had to (laughs) shirk myself back up and, uh, you know, get to what I got to get to. Um, but in this instance, I could say I didn't have to deal with any of those issues because I started using Magic Mind. Um, Magic Mind is a little shot made from natural ingredients that manages to give me the energy boost needed to juggle all my daily tasks on my regular nine to five as a sign maker and as a content creator here for Comic Book Click. Uh, the doses are small, so you could take them wherever you go. The bottles are, they, they fit in your pocket, very small, but they pack a punch. And um, it's really helped me cut down on my caffeine in general, which is definitely a win-win because those headaches, bro. I used like I used to spend like I would I would have coffee all week, and then on my weekends chill, and then Saturday, doom, 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 getting that caffeine <laughs> headache because it's like, come on, bro, uh-uh, you don't get a day off of this stuff. Um, so it's been really, I've already seen the benefits of of taking this kind of stuff, and um, I was a bit on the fence, but. 
it manages to do everything I kind of want coffee to do without all the negative effects and all the natural ingredients are almost built to be um, a coffee substitute, uh, but in a way that doesn't, you know, ruin your insides, <laughs> which I think is pretty, pretty cool. Um, if you got dietary restrictions, you don't got to worry. It's gluten free. It's uh, vegan, paleo and keto friendly. Uh, they told me up front that I would start to see the effects the more that I took it. And by day five, not only was I energized, but I found my overall mood and sleeping patterns had improved over the course of the week. I uh, did some research because now I'm like, what is this stuff? And what, how do I get more of it? A and B, what's in it that's doing these things to me? Uh, it turns out it's got adaptogens in it like ashwagandha. Not from Wakanda, Ashwagandha, <laughs> that boosts your mood and helps you relax. Uh, with that level of clarity, I've kind of had a whole new confidence uh, about making content for a comic book click because I used to always have to worry about I, I have to find a way <laughs> to keep my energy up but get sleep somehow. And this has fallen right into my lap almost like a miracle. It's been fantastic. Um, and I have that little green shot to thank for that. Uh, it feels good to kind of be back at a hundred percent for a while. Um, are you a big caffeine drinker? Uh, unfortunately, yes, I could, uh, in my, there have been some days where I had, I would do a couple bangs a day, a couple rains, a couple monsters is not good times. Yeah. Um, ever since I know you told me about this last weekend and like, um, you kind of amped it up. So I'm, 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 I put my order in on sunday and you know i just got it shipped out today so i mean i'll hopefully next time i'm on uh the way it's going next week or so uh <laughs> i'll, I'll yeah. tell you no i mean it's been great and usually i'm not up here you know talking about things in my personal life but i know that the people that we talk to are also creatives are also content creators if they like comic books and that means that they're staying up way past their bedtime to read some of the latest and greatest comics to come out if they like movies and tv shows that means they're staying up for these midnight releases in theaters or they're staying and binging things like echo um and you know i think you should be able to do both you should be able to do what you love and still feel like you're mm -hmm. operating at a hundred percent so if you're having trouble being at a hundred percent some days i would highly recommend trying out magic mind uh, it's been a total game changer for me, and I believe it could work well for you guys, too. But the best part is the Magic Mind team is hooking up all the listeners of the Major Issues podcast with a ridiculous deal. If you head over to magicmind.com slash J-A-N, like January, uh, slash J-A-N Major Issues, you can get 56% off your first subscription and 20% off a one-time purchase with the promo code MAJORISSUES20. So I'll say that again, magicmind.com slash J-A-N Major Issues to get that 56% off your first subscription and 20% off a one-time purchase with the promo code MAJORISSUES20. That's an extra 20% off. Uh, the only thing is this deal only lasts to the end of January, so you have to hurry up and get on it before it gets away. I swear I took it. My palms started glowing. There was little <laughs> spirals in my hands. <laughs> and next thing you know, I could heal birds, bro. It was, it was, it was crazy <laughs> stuff. But I'm telling you, go ahead, check out Magic Mind, use our link. All of this information, uh, our link and, um, our promo code will be in the show notes. So if you didn't have time to write any of this down, just check the description of this very episode and click right through. Get your 56% off your first subscription. Get your 20% off a one-time purchase. And you know, um, 
if a mind's a terrible thing to waste, a magic mind is definitely a terrible thing to waste. So <laughs> get on that bandwagon before it gets full, people. Um, but yeah, besides that, now I'm full of energy. This podcast is full of energy. Let's get into Echo. Dang, I was going to say season one. I think this just might be it, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? yeah. I think Echo. so. Yeah. <laughs> Echo. Ain't nothing wrong with that. The Daredevil um, prequel, Echo. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so we open the series with a flashback showing the origin of the Choctaw people as otherworldly beings whose underground dwelling caved in on them. As they find new meaning living life above ground, they are led by Chaffa, whose harsh skin peels away to reveal more human qualities. The scene is based on actual mythology. According to legend, the original Choctaw people were made out of clay and lived underground in the mound. However, after the destruction of the mound, the people fled and eventually found a, a home in a new land. Um, what do you think of this opening? I did not expect a scene like this when this show started. Yeah, it was. It caught me off guard. Uh, I almost thought I'd clicked on, like I'd click something else and meant to do Echo. Uh, <laughs> right. Just, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, completely. Yeah, it was really interesting. The effects they used were, were. I mean, I would say they were top notch. Yeah. I, what's interesting is I find myself pretty well versed in the world of comic books and Marvel and stuff like that. So for the most part, when I see things, I recognize them. I didn't recognize any of this. And he was having all my nerd, uh, nerd alarms go off. I'm like, wait, what, what? And they got spirals on there and she's drinking from where? And what's that thing up in the sky? I'm like, I completely blinded. But this is the first time that they're not educating us to Marvel lore. They're actually mm -hmm. educating us to heritage, to culture, mm -hmm. to the Choctaw people. And that's got to be amazing uh, if you from that background or have any ties to that culture. To me, in general, some of this stuff was the most um, interesting stuff in the series. Well, for sure. I, you know, as someone, I, you know, I, I was I grew up uh, my my mom uh, is a half uh, Cherokee. And then so oh, no. my grandpa was a full blooded so I'm a quarter. Um, I thought this was a really interesting look, you know, I mean, it made me kind of deep dive my own, uh, I guess, set of, I wouldn't say beliefs, I don't really follow it, but like, it, it made me want to deep dive my own heritage, my, my own heritage, my own cultural beliefs. Yeah, I guess, your, your, line your lineage there. Yeah. There you go. Um, and I, what I think is also interesting is, and maybe interesting is not the word, uh, when we grew up, I know when I grew up the indigenous people were painted in a kind of a way and a mm -hmm. lot of it was said almost to be like they existed like chickens with their heads cut off until the europeans came in and were like hey let me teach you culture let me teach you math <laughs> or whatever and then you you do your research and you see how rich they're, they're like playing lacrosse in one of the episodes yeah. that, that we're gonna <laughs> talk about in a bit you know and it's just like these people w were so rich in their history and in their culture and their beliefs you know we just this is a creation myth you know that we're just talking about right now with the choctaw people rising from the their um you know breaking out of their clay skin rising from the underground uh it's just it those folk tales are classic superhero tales <laughs> yeah you know like chaffa is like one of the first heroes there's she's of legend so to get that actual um, historical uh, legend and tie it to Maya, who's looking to become a legend in her own right, I thought that was really, really cool. 
Well, it also made me think of the the what if character was it Kahori? Kahori, yeah, yeah. Kahari? It made me think yeah. of her. And when you see that, I was like, oh, is that? I wonder if that's a reference. I wonder if it's just like, oh, whatever, cool. But like, yeah, I thought that was a really, really cool. I tied it together. So she that um ca- the character who voiced her is the woman who plays Bonnie in this. Oh, uh, okay, really cool. So I thought that was a pretty uh, interesting um, tidbit. And I think with what if and the I uh, you know introduction to the multiverse. A portal could open up and live action Kahari could just step right through, stand right next to uh, Echo, and it is what it is. Like, that could happen any day this week. Oh, yeah, I've seen No one's stopping her. (laughs) Uh, We then head to Tamaha, Oklahoma in 2007, where we meet the grandparents of Maya Lopez, um, uh, Tantu Cardinal as Chula, and Graham Green as Scully, as they sit by the campfire and tell stories to Maya's parents. We see a young Maya having fun with her cousin, Bonnie, who she sees as a sister. Later that night, Maya tells her mom that she wants hot chocolate, but they have none at home. So she heads to the store with her. En route, she experiences a horrific car crash that kills Maya's mom and um, costs Maya her leg. With her daughter gone, Chula tells Maya's dad, William, played by Zahn McLaren, that she'll never forgive him and that he and his family were always trouble. William decides to take his brother's offer of a job in New York and brings his daughter Maya with him. As they drive off, her cousin Bonnie cries out for her, not knowing when they'll ever see each other again. Uh, really effective beginnings of an origin story here. Um, we, we are often shown this kind of trope of the hero losing stuff and then choosing to then be a champion of the people so that they won't lose stuff. Um, they won't lose stuff themselves. Having felt that pain, they don't want anyone else to feel it. We're going to see a very different reaction to trauma mm-hmm. with, with Maya here. And um, only because of a door opened by somebody she probably shouldn't walk through it with. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll get to it in a bit. But what do you think about this young Maya hanging out with Bonnie, seeing kind of her family life before the life that we'll know that you end up living? Um, I was the, it's a, it's a sad origin story. It, it, it's like the, uh, the meme, the, uh, this is my village and origin story, but it's like, <laughs> this, but this is a real one. This is a real thing. Um, my, my one question I had during it, um, you know, they said, uh, during when she's in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. at what age did she find out her mom died? Cause she didn't know before she left. That's and, interesting. Yeah. And then, um, the, her, her father said, uh, don't worry. I took care of them. So yeah. like the guys that cut the brake lines. So right. is was he just always like a bad dude? You know, like I had I had a bunch of questions about him. Uh yeah. more, almost more than Maya at this point. I think on purpose, he's never shown to do anything outright villainous. Even in Hawkeye, right? Like we don't see him sl- slitting throats or anything. Maybe he's doing a money deal or something. But I think that on purpose we've we're kept to we're we're meant to see him kind of uh walking that tightrope of mm-hmm. illegal activity and not um it only broke my heart when uh chula was like i knew you lopez boys are up to no good like <laughs> i was just like i hate when people generalize you know like a entire <laughs> family or anything like that and he can't say anything in this moment like he has to take this verbal beating um mm-hmm. from his mother-in-law because he did take well he didn't but you understand like she lost her daughter and we have to give her this moment in time to grieve but yeah the eye like there is no eye for an eye in that situation 
Yeah. Like the idea, what do you think about the idea that he kind of told, tells his mother-in-law like, oh, don't worry, we got them back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, you're right. There's no, there's no like, hey, I'll make you feel better. They're dead too. You know, like the, I just yeah. don't, you know, I, I hope I never have to experience that kind of loss. Um, you know, that's kind of the whole thing is, you, you know, to never bury your kids, you always bury your parents. Um, yeah. So like to see a character, especially what appeared to be a uh, a character of power in the family, um, yeah. you know, uh, having just experienced that, like, you know, uh, you this is your fault. You know, do you think getting them back fixes it? Like they're still gone, you know, you know, it it, it, it definitely. And then you see it kind of as, as the story progresses later on where the there's definitely a level of of disdain that the that the grandmother uh feels toward toward maya and her father yeah that's the most tragic part right the fact that it transfers over to maya uh we find out later on from chula is mostly because of how much she reminded her of her lost daughter uh, none of that being maya's fault and um I, even as i say that i recall the scene where she tells her dad that it's her fault she she tells her dad that she wants to apologize to her mother because she's the reason why she drove out there. But we, as we know now in Marvel, like all this stuff is faded. Like you know, you the vast calculus of the multiverse, you know, uh, the, things just happen. Um, so um, yeah, they 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 head over to New York and they leave home. I think it's important to establish this beginning because um, I love the dual story that they're telling about Maya's real, and I use real, you know, in quotations, but Maya's like real family and real heritage and the people who are really looking out for her versus the people who are using her, you yeah. know? And oftentimes when you're looking for that love or approval, it's hard to disseminate the two. You know, if this person is feeding me and housing me and giving me money, they must care about me, right? Because they don't have to do that kind of stuff. And it puts you down a rabbit hole. And to watch how pure her upbringing is, it almost, the math almost doesn't make sense that she would become who she is, but because of tremendous tragedy, like back yeah. to back. And, and you know, what do you say to that? How does anyone respond? I don't think there's a um, textbook response to constantly being crapped on by uh <laughs> whoever's controlling this <laughs> yeah. standing in the sky um but we see that william lopez is doing some dirty work for wilson fisk and he's the head of the track suits as seen in hawkeye fix fisk befriends a young maya setting up for things to come we fast forward to maya who is now an adult with a proficiency for hand-to-hand -hand combat and just like we saw in hawkeye she pulls into the fat man used car lot just in time to see ronin murder her father and his associates we see that Maya chooses to isolate herself from people like Bonnie after her father's death and is mentored by Wilson Fisk, who sees Maya's rage for the potential that it could be if harnessed correctly. She starts to work for Fisk and participates in an ambush on a drug den and shows her fighting prowess. That ambush is interrupted by the devil of Hell's Kitchen himself, Daredevil, and they go at it until Maya is able to get away. Um... I really like this scene, <laughs> uh, what this first fight scene, uh, kind of a tracking shot of sorts. I don't think it was a wonder. I think there's, there's definitely cuts. I don't yeah. know about the strategy of shoulder rushing a door and then shooting <laughs> when you hit the floor. That's what the first guy does is like he just jumps through and just starts shooting. But um, I liked her proficiency here, and there is an added layer of 
carelessness is not the word. It's almost uh, the opposite. Like she does, she's very efficient. She's very efficient. And if that means she has to snap a neck, then she snaps a neck. If that means that she has to crush her skull against the wall, then she has to crush her skull against the wall. And I don't think we've seen a female protagonist operate at that level of, of deadly efficiency uh, as before. But what did you think of this fight scene? And what do you think of the inclusion of Daredevil in this? Uh, well, one, um, it was a good, it was a good, it was a, it was a great fight scene. Um, I did like how we, you, you kind of like you said, like you, you see her, this is like her first, I would say real fight, you know, where yeah. she goes in and then when she has the guy, you know, in the, I would say reverse headlock and then yeah. the, her going like, I think I, I think I gotta kill this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you see her go like, all right. And like rationalize it and then just, and just pop it. And like, yeah. and that was more where you see like, oh no, now she's a badass. Like now right. she's about to turn it up. And then just the, just, yeah. Um, I've, I, you know, um, looking into her, her powers in the comic books, um, she's very much like Taskmaster, right? Like she can kind of read and, and respond and like photographically. Um, yeah, I think it was it was supposed to be like a play even on the name. Like you say something and she can echo oh, it. Oh, that know? makes sense. Almost like a mimic, uh, you know, uh, in in a sense. And I found the, the, the this power set is a bit more heartfelt. You know, mm-hmm. if you already got Tasky, then that's fine. You know, he'll let. Her, I think she's still around from Black Widow. I think she's still yeah, alive, so they might keep they might keep her around. Um, but yeah, I de- definitely did like this. I liked when um she does that kick where she holds her foot, uh, and she lets it go, and it kind of snaps and hits. Where she hesitates. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Sold really, the whole really, fight for me. <laughs> really, really cool. Really, really cool stuff. And I, I love your observation there because I do think it's a rationalization in that moment. And that's the same rationalization that Batman is afraid of, right? Like once mm-hmm. you've decided in that moment, then the next time, and then the time after that, and well, these group more. of guys, yeah, and and it goes out of control. And and the thing is, like, I want a world like this, not a real world like this. I'm talking about in the MCU, <laughs> <laughs> where if you're in somebody's hood, people are gonna show up. If mm-hmm. you're in New York acting crazy, if you're in Hell's Kitchen acting crazy, you got to get used to a man with a baton just shooting through the window and y'all going to scrap. It's going to be what it is. Um, I do worry about whether or not these things are going to connect one-to-one. You really, mm-hmm. it, it really stretches my credulity to be like the Fisk in Daredevil has a estranged niece somewhere <laughs> while he's dealing with the stuff that he's dealing with. In yeah. Daredevil, like when he gets arrested or any of that kind of stuff that goes on there. Um, but I like Vincent D'Onofrio too much to, to make a big a big enough deal about it. What do you think of, of Vinny D in the role? Um, well, yeah, yeah, that it, it does a little weird. I'm sorry. Um, uh, what, what was your question? Oh, what do you think of Vincent D'Onofrio? Oh, as, okay. Uh, That's what I thought you said, but I think I think I, I don't know. I had a blank. I need I need some of the. The, magic mind. See what's going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta get some. I gotta get some magic mind quick. Um, <laughs> no. Um, one. I think every scene he's in is the most tense scene until the next scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, every yeah. every every slight motion, him looking a certain way, it almost takes the breath out of you, um, which lets you know how how much power he exudes, especially as the kingpin. Um, yeah. It it is yeah going one to one with with the Netflix series to think that somewhere out there is a a uh, a bullseye 
with an adamantium yeah. spine being made. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, my only question was, or my biggest question for this would be like, where does this take place if if they are the same, if, if it is one-to-one? Like at what yeah. point as, I mean, obviously he's still on the streets at this point. So, you know, this is before yeah. season three, but this is in between like seasons one and two of Daredevil. Is that, oh, hey, buddy. Sorry, one thing. <laughs> You're good. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> you're good brother um so no, i don't th- i don't think it's necessarily 100 clear like right now they're putting on years they say 2008 is that ice cream scene which would we know in new york in 2008 uh, around that time is when we start i think 2011 is when we start the actual iron man thor stuff and then we get 2012 is the Battle of New York. Yes. So um, be four years before that. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, and then the other big rumor was that Kingpin was able to amass even more power because of the blip. He used the yeah. blip to kind of um, monopolize uh, his empire. So I think that's that's pretty interesting there too. Um, I love Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk. I find that he brings something different. Like even Leave Shriver, who played him in spider-verse mm-hmm. uh he adds a italian gangster element to that character that i've never seen so he's like hey oh spider-man you know like he, <laughs> he's doing he's doing it like his italian version of kingpin and this one is like this man child mm-hmm. it's like this socially inept like uh, he, ball of rage he's always he, he him and uh john Burntow do a great job of seeming like simmering pots Mm-hmm. the entire time the whole conversation or whatever's going on it's just the you can see the 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 steam rising from the pot and you're just waiting for it to just blow over um and i think everything he says has so much gravitas he he says things with so much power and family maya vanessa i love all, i love all, i love all that stuff and he brings it here he um he tells her that he's like wow like i'm su- surprised you you survived that encounter um and we kind of get a montage of events showing how Maya grew as an efficient killer. This is all basically like previously on. There's a yeah. lot of this previously on stuff uh, front loaded in this first episode. Um, we find out when Hawkeye tells her that Fisk actually had her dad killed. And we see the scene where Maya shoots Wilson in the face for his sins. Um, somewhere in there, we get that cold scene of him getting rid of the uh, interpreter. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like your lessons are done. Is she just <laughs> begging? Bring... Yeah, oh. she brings she brings that lady out. But you know what? That reminded me of when they got Bullseye's girl. Remember that? Uh, he was he was uh, stalking some girl. He would go to like the pizza shop and get pizza That's and right. stand outside. And I think she's the call the help. Um, you know, uh, uh, gosh, like the help hotline. Yeah, uh, woman that he met, and then he tells Kingpin about her, and he Kingpin gets like an inkling that she might be trouble in all this stew, so he just has her killed. And you just see her walking to her apartment, and it looks like guys are painting, like they have the the, <laughs> the tarp over. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she gets close enough, silence her. She busts so her effective. against the wall, wrap <laughs> them up in the thing, and they're done. Yeah, like he, I, they put their like they uh, all their cleaning supplies like real efficient. Again, is what mm-hmm. what I'll say efficient um and that level of efficiency only comes from a level of ruthlessness because you would have to think about stuff like that 
Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, maybe around 7.30. So around 7, you might want to put up the, the tarp, you know, <laughs> and then you, you, like all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, shot in the face for his sins. Five months later, we catch up with Maya, who retreats to her childhood home to treat a fresh gunshot wound. We never really find out where that came from. Um, she sews herself up with some dental floss, floss and falls asleep. When she awakens, she thinks someone is trying to break in, but instead we meet her cousin Biscuit, played by Cody Lightning, who is ecstatic to see her. She tells him not to tell anyone that she's here. What do you think of Biscuit? Ah, uh, he's the lovable screw up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as soon as he is, oh, there's that trope. It's a great trope. It's always a fun trope. And no matter what, yeah. it, you know, it, it, it makes things feel real because I like to think that I'm the lovable screw up um, in yeah. my personal life. So, you know, seeing another another one of us on screen makes me feel like, oh, okay. Like, but it also sets like the stakes. Whereas, you know, again, she's not the hero yet, or not the hero we perceive her to be yet. But we know that, oh, he's just a normal dude. He's just some guy that like helps his grandma out. And then so yeah. it brings a level of, oh, real things can happen to real people. Yeah. And it also kind of is a juxtaposition. Like when I, I honestly believe when you're in a bad part of uh, in life or you're doing things you possibly shouldn't do, it's really hard to see, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. Like you can really just be in that. And there's yeah. people in this world that once they figure to pick their head up and just change their life in a different direction, live life like Biscuit. His life is pretty simple, but he seems like he's having a blast. You know, <laughs> exactly. And to, and to hear some of the stuff that Maya's going through, he's like, what? And we're going to do what? And, and why? And it just goes to show like what kind of life she could have had maybe if she stood. A yeah. simpler one, you know, uh, with people around her that care about her. And his enthusiasm and overall like goodwill almost dares her to be a good person. You understand? Like, it's almost like in the face of all your stoicness and all your badassery with your leather jacket and your motorcycle. Like, he's he's got a care package. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Stuff. He's wearing a tank top. Like, yeah. he's just like... Yeah. <laughs> and, if, and in the full light of representation, thank you, Disney. Thank you, Marvel, for putting someone with my body build up on screen. Because that, you know... <laughs> it, you know, it makes me feel like I could do something like that, too. You know, I can, I can, I can drive a monster truck, take out some villains if I need to. Um, Maya shows up at the Black Crow Roller Rink uh, and meets up with her uncle Henry, played by Chasky Spencer, who gets her patched up. It's here that we find out that Maya has been on the run and is being hunted for killing the kingpin because people think that he's dead. Maya asks Henry to help her dismantle Fist's operations so she can take over his empire, but Henry refuses, not wanting to endanger his family. Elsewhere, Fisk, who had survived, recovers from his injury in a hospital. Um, I, I, I'm with Henry on this because again, I just met Biscuit. <laughs> so I'm with <laughs> like, this seems like such a cool, calm, collected little town where you could just hide or whatever. But Maya is dead set on turning up the heat. If that means taking over Kingpin's uh, empire, but I can see why Henry would be like, don't bring none of that stuff over here. And on top of that, you got to think he feels double guilty getting his brother involved with Kingpin and his yeah. brother's dead. And, you know, whatever they were into before then, that got them that reputation where Chola's like, I never wanted you to marry my daughter. Like, that can't help. So now you see his daughter, which you probably never thought you were going to see again. And she's telling you, I'm down to do more illegal shit. And you're like, Buck. no, <laughs> please, for the love of God, just put on some skates and <laughs> let's hang out. 
Um, what do you think of Henry in this uh, trying to, I guess, stop the war before it comes? Uh, Henry, I don't, he was always interesting. I didn't realize it was your uncle, and you know, and, and until I'm, I'm reading the synopsis, synop, synopsis, whatever. Until yeah, I was reading I those, I'm like, oh, look, that makes sense. Like that, that, like that does kind of. I guess I missed that part. Um, mm-hmm. So no, he was a really interesting character, especially because right off the gate, he he came off as I. He reminded me of very much of a like Joel from The Last of Us, where it's like, oh, this yeah. guy's a former badass, but he's yeah. really trying to keep his nose clean. Yeah. You know. That's that was the impression I got from him. And he's got like ties to like you know that that what is it? Some doctor came to sew her up like, and mm-hmm. she was like, she can either you know help you up or she can take you out. And I'm like, oh my god, what, what are you doing here, Henry? It's a skate a uh, skating rink. And again, even knowing what his nefariousness or his past nefariousness, uh, Henry's, there's even more pieces of crap working for him that we'll find out later on than than dealing with whatever drama that he's got going on um and the fisk thing is a cliffhanger for the episode like we were saying from before but i mean come on everyone knew he was alive (laughs) they were doing like full-on fisk is coming promos uh for the television show as a whole so i just want to know how he survived i don't know i and the thing is like Later on, when he reveals his basically healed eye, um, I thought they, I thought it was gonna be a thing where they kept it like that for a while, and then he had to do you know get some experimental mm-hmm. drugs or you know put some stem cells directly in his eye or something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, because in the world busy. of technology and st- yeah, in the world of technology and stuff, I figured that they would find some way to come up with some sort of weird technology that will be able to fix all that kind of stuff, but they kind of just hand wave a lot of it away. And he does get shot in the face in the comics. And I think it ends up being the same thing where it just like over time, he just heals. Yeah. Um, so it's good to know he's a superhero. Um, no, the the one thing that I, I really enjoyed about the ending, um, you know, when it shows her talking to Henry and she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, I want to take over or whatever. It shows the Fisk shipping yard. And uh, I, I thought that was like his reach is so far, even in small town Oklahoma. It's like yeah. this is how powerful Fisk is as just as a as a crime lord. He he's mm-hmm. in somewhere that you wouldn't even think. That, that town probably has five thousand people in it, and he just has a yeah. random shipping yard there. And I just thought it was really it really showed you just how business at much business acumen and how much of a crime lord that Fisk really was. Yeah, two other things that do a good point of laying that out as well. Um, one of them is when Maya just recklessly sends a motorcycle into a cop car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Fisk is like the mother that comes to the school to pick up the kid. Like he shows up <laughs> and like some people are like, sir, you can't be here. And other people are like, don't you know who that is? You better let, let this go. And he just takes her from police custody and walks away. There's, there's mm-hmm. no question to comment. Again, showing the reach. But my favorite, and they did this a lot with Kilgrave, but I think it's more effective with Fisk. I love when like people with guns turn on each other and say like Kingpin says oh, hello or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. I think that stuff is so cool. And they they did that a lot in the first season of Daredevil before we even saw Fisk. Remember, there yeah. was a lot of like you know the Kingpin sends his regards or whatever, and, you know, uh, and shoot him and stuff. Um, I, I gotta think my man probably would be doing better if Wesley was around. I miss my boy Wesley. He got got in season one. Karen Page caught a body. But, um, yeah, you gotta think Wesley and Maya's had some time to hang out and chill. Uh, so that, that's interesting there. 
The next episode opens up with a flashback to Alabama in 1200 AD, where Lowak is participating in a game of Choctaw stickball against another tribe. When Lowak's team is close to winning, the opposing side sends out a formidable warrior who helps them even the score. Lowak is desperate to avoid exile for her team if they should lose and receives a vision during an intense melee. With her hands glowing, Lowak breaks out of the melee with the ball and secures victory for her tribe. What do you think of this flashback? That was cool. Um, I, you know, I don't know a lot about lacrosse, but if it was like that, uh, I'd be way more into it. Um, it was also really, really interesting just to kind of, you know, because I don't recall there being a lot of dialogue in this part. So like how the story, the story's told purely by just showing the action, showing everything, showing her flashback of um of a was it Chaka, Chaka, the low 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 at oh the first one well, yeah when, oh yeah whenever she has the flashback of Chaffa, and yes, then you yes, see yes, her yes. kind of become um the powerful i'm not sure what the powers yeah are, but they're building the lore like you were saying so it's like almost like Chaffa saw no one. Because she was yeah. the first. <laughs> yeah, so you, now you see Lowak almost imbued with the spirit of Chaffa. And this kind of thing continues. But yeah, showing like this immense amount of spirit, immense amount of um of strength. Uh, that guy was huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that ringer, that thing, that they yeah. called up. They're like, and he was chilling. He was like in the tent, chilling. They're like, yo, bro, we losing. We need People you right now. That big. Yeah, he, no one should be that huge and that built. Way too much HGH, bro. He is the LeBron James of Choctaw stickball, apparently. And they, they were like, she was like, nah. So then she took, was it um, uh, Michael's special? <laughs> what was it in Space Jam? <laughs> Michael's uh, special sauce. Special. I was going to say sauce, but that felt a little dirty. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. I left that where it was. But yeah, it's, it's cool to see the, the generational. Um, the how this passes through uh uh from generation to generation but not only that it seems to come at a time of need Mm -hmm. it doesn't just come out of nowhere uh so maya in in the present day maya enlists biscuits to help her mission to topple fist empire and it starts with sabotaging a weapon shipment a weapons shipment that is currently on its way to new york via train all that is easier said than done as Maya almost dies several times uh, in this cool little set piece of a moving train while Biscuit hopelessly tries to be her man in the chair. Maya plants explosives in one of the containers on the train and almost gets away scot-free until she misses a jump and crushes her prosthetic leg. It was made out of metal and it still hurt me when that happened, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when that mm-hmm. thing bent up, I was like, oh! <laughs> terrible. Every time. I was like, oh, man. Um, <laughs> uh, so she suddenly experiences visions of her ancestors, and with her hands glowing like those before her, she manages to free her trap leg. Um, what do you think of this this train heist scene? Uh, it was – I I enjoyed it as for the storytelling device. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't love some of the CGI, you know, where you could tell, oh, okay, Um it, but it's like, oh, it's a TV show. You know, they got to cut corners somewhere. And, you know, Train High is probably the way to where, where you want to cut that visually. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed Biscuit. He was probably my favorite part of this scene. He was taking yeah. it so seriously. <laughs> yeah, he was. Right? And getting and, called from his grandmother as this is going down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then the, the part where she gets her leg caught 
the uh, when she randomly imbues Jaffa and mm-hmm. like breaks her leg out of the her her, her amputated previous yeah. amputated like out. I thought that was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, I don't know what her powers are. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Me, same, same here. I was like, oh, we can do that now. All right. That's yeah. that's fantastic. But something that seemingly has carried over from those Daredevil uh, or, you know, the Defenders uh, Netflix stuff is one of the things I've always liked from the Daredevil fight scenes is that he takes damage. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not invulnerable. And she messed up here. Like she mistimed that jump. That's the reason why that happened. Um, and there's a bunch of other close calls with her trying to jump over people, you know, and not be spotted. And there, I dare I say, there was a little bit of confidence in her when she when she put the bomb where it had to go. I think that's kind of why she tripped because she was all like, "I got it." Eh. it was, yeah, easier said than done. All I got to do is get back to the truck. Yeah, all I got to do is get back to the truck. Yeah. Wow. Um. So. The shipment is destined for one of Fisk's armories in New York, and once it arrives, Zane, the leader of the Black Knife Cartel, and I have to say that because I thought this was like a weird, like Ten Rings tangent, tangent gang, because yeah. they also have like the cross sabers with the yeah. rings around it, and I was like, I is this a Ten Rings thing? No, it, they're they're just the Black Knife Cartel, apparently. Um, so he sends his men to unload the crate, inadvertently sending off Maya's booby trap and demolishing the facility uh grandpa scully later provides maya with a new prosthetic leg and reveals that uh chaffa the first choctaw was one of the women in maya's vision upon learning about the explosion henry confronts maya urging her to cease her attacks to avoid harming those close to her but she disregards both his warning i mean i mean she disregards his warnings both chula and bonnie find out that maya is in town but she avoids both of them I also have this thing where I don't like when old people are mean to young people. <laughs> like when Chula finds out that she's in town and it's like, you know, it's best that she leave as soon as, you know, yeah. as soon as she can. I'm like, man, what you, this, this is my girl. Like I've been watching this show. I'm on Maya's side. She's trying her best. Damn it. <laughs> and I don't know what the riff is. Cause I haven't found out what it is yet. Besides what we know about how she feels about her father. But like this whole idea that, you know, that she's not even safe or not even wanted in her, uh, refuge kind of kind of stung a little bit and this is kind of that sort of turning of your back is how you create people like Maya Lopez the assassin because mm-hmm. if she feels like she has nowhere to go what does it matter well you know yeah. uh, what is it yeah the child that is uh exiled from the village will burn it down to feel its warmth you know it, that it means nothing to them because you've already told them that they mean nothing to you yeah. so yeah it can be a very slippery slope there um we get another flashback. In the 1800s, Tuklo practices shooting with her father, one of the light horsemen, a tribal police force. Another bit of history that I had no idea about, that they, these tribes will, will create their own lawmen mm-hmm. to keep their own people in line because they didn't trust <laughs> any outside sources. Who would have thunk? For good reason. Huh? <laughs> who who would have thunk? Um, yeah. And, and yeah, not only is this a um, kind of cool piece of history, but Tuklo it looks like she respects that her father is in this um, organization and wants to be a part of it, but he forbids it because she's a girl. Uh, Tuklo's father rides out to confront some local criminals while Tuklo braids her hair like a Choctaw warrior. She receives a vision of Chaffa and Loak, and her hands begin to glow. Uh, the criminals ambush Tuklo's father, but she hears the attack and arrives in time to save him and his group. In a pretty badass scene. 
Yeah. Um, what do you think? Sorry, what do you think of the uh, introduction of Tuklo? Well, one, I love a good western. Um, so like, I, 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 I would watch a whole movie on on Tuklo and the Light Horseman. Um, yeah. You know, uh, no, it it was really well done. You know, um, my only, I didn't understand. I don't so. I don't understand I know all of the all of the uh, characters that she's embodying, uh, you know, uh, Chaffa, uh, Tuklo and um, uh, Loak, they all embody a different thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I it it was hard to be like, well, well what is she embodying? Like, like yeah. skill? Is she like because she seems incredibly skilled, you know, right. is it is it just effectiveness? Is it just like boldness? Like, you know, uh, that was the. Some of the flashbacks are a little more confusing until you, you kind of flesh out a little bit. But yeah. again, I, I enjoyed a good a good uh, a good western, so I was all for it. It totally feels like whatever uh, power that they are being imbued with is the exact thing that they need at the time, yeah. in a weird way. Um, and it also enhances the skills that they already have. But I do think it's possibly like a one for one you know like yeah. you needed strength in this moment so i gave you strength you needed speed in this moment so i gave you speed you needed you know um and i think the culmination of of all of that is is in maya and so she can kind of tap into the various uh different um abilities of the people in her past which i think is really really cool um, in present day, Henry's employee at the royal roller rink, Vicky, kidnaps Maya in an attempt to collect the bounty on her. They restrain her at the rink and have Henry captive as well. Bonnie inadvertently gets caught, uh, captured, but she's able to confront Maya about their estranged relationship, even though Maya doesn't really respond. Uh, and Maya manages to free them both. I want to put a pause in that right there, um, because I wanted to ask you about Vicky's, Vicky's, bargaining skills in this how do you feel about when zane just shows up and it's just like not like he's like i need to see the money first i need to and you need to you know we need to go i'd like to count it. and the guy's like i'm not no we're not even do, we're not even doing any of that it was like a 10 year old telling me what to do like yeah. i'm like you're not you know you're not you don't have the uh the pull to uh to boss me around um yeah. or even ask any a strange 10 year old not not just any 10 year old but yeah, you know yeah. like, you know, on the street <laughs> give me candy you know nah i don't you know i don't um, know you you're right. you're a child you know um also he did not sound the least bit bold when he did it every time <laughs> he said it there was a question yeah show me the money can yeah. i have the money you know yeah. i need to see it you, you did you didn't bring it right <laughs> Like yeah. is, it, is it coming is it um yeah there's no there's no authority in that voice and immediately when he's given that attitude you realize what kind of worms he opens up because he can't control this situation now he the, we already see that he can't even get what he wants out of it so uh yeah there's absolutely no way that he's going to control the situation also they found a way to make him look as skeevy as possible and i know i've seen some skeevy people working at a bowling alley i'm not saying everybody who works at a bowling alley is skeevy but this guy is skeevy supreme. Uh, they just found the most skeevy looking guy they can find to play this role. And I think, uh, and, I, and I love how his henchmen are just like kind of trash people is what I'll call them. Yeah. <laughs> like the dregs of society. He, like he doesn't have an army like Zane or he doesn't have a bunch of suited men like Fisk. It's just like, uh, she's my cousin and this one, you know, <laughs> I owe um, this one 30 bucks. So I told her uh, she can jump along. 
<laughs> I believe that actor was also at Agents of Shield. Um, Interesting. I bel, you know, uh, I I want to say, believe it or not, he played a dirty, a dirty agent, a Shield agent. Um, so one skeevy, it was like, bro. Oh, one skeevy all the yeah. way. All the you way have skeevy. a look. You look like you just. You look like you need shampoo and a good guy to stop you. That was it. I, I think Mads Mikkelsen was once interviewed, and they're like, "Why do you play so many villains?" And he's like, "People think the accent is villainous." I start talking, <laughs> and people are like, "Oh, he's a, he's definitely a villain." And that's how he gets cast in all these villainous roles. Sometimes you just get uh, what do you call it? Um, typecast. Yeah. What do you What did you think of Bonnie's interpretation of? her estranged relationship with Maya where she's like, I try to reach out and you, you know, you kind of ghosted me and Maya just being stone faced about it. Um, it makes sense. I mean, I you know, I mean think but we think back to their childhood when they were like best friends, like, you know, it's that's her sister. And then she kind of says, Oh, you know, ever since your dad died. You know, like I wanna I mean I wonder how close the relationship was before her dad died. You know, if they yeah. just texted every now and again, you know, I guess you can't really talk on the phone, but, uh, you know, like a text relationship, you know, but once her dad died, when she kind of, it was like she kind of severed off all ties to that world. Um, yeah. Even if she had beforehand, it definitely felt like, well, when my, you know, when my dad died, I was out. Or when she said, when your dad died, you kind of, you know, stopped. Um, but I think Maya as ever the, uh, the stoic, you know protagonists you know so it kind of came off as a little maya came off as a little trophy in this point mm-hmm. you know but also knowing what we know everything she's endured and done like she's probably moved beyond uh oklahoma life so to speak yeah yeah you bring up um some good points because that just made me think if you internalize somebody as a sibling let's say, right? Like if you say, oh, she's like my sister and then your father passes and she's not there, of course, from no fault of her own, right? Like you're in New York. I could see that being like, then I have no parents. Then I have no siblings. Mm -hmm. You understand? So it's all, it's all a wash at this point. Um, And when you're talking about like the stoic nature and it being a bit tropey, is that not another revelation that she could, um, you know, she could pack a gun. She can jump on a train. She can do whatever. <laughs> yeah. But she's having, she can't have this heart to heart conversation right now. She yeah. can't just talk to someone that you know cares about her and that she's known for years. Um, that's the rough part for her, and it like it almost shows you the kind of life that she's been living. Where again, she was comfortable with all the stuff she's about to do. <laughs> you know, she's about yeah. to get some people in a bit, like kill a <laughs> bunch of people in, in a couple of minutes. She's about to do all that, but won't stand still long enough to give a, a rightful explanation to somebody that she hurt uh, with her actions. Yeah. So really goes to show. Um, so the, she manages to free them both. She cuts on the lights and the music. I loved it because it was the red lights and I was like, oh, that was kind of like when we first met her. They mm-hmm. pumped those red lights on. Um, I, I'm i stopping for a second because I just realized, <laughs> do we have to mention that this character uh, is deaf? <laughs> I don't think we've don't said think it. We haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> I don't think uh, we've said it outright, I guess because of the familiarity of this character from Hawkeye. But yeah. yeah, every bit of what we're talking about is all handicapped by the fact that she can hear you know this is something that she's dealt with since she was a child and different people in her life 
um, find different ways to communicate with her. Um, and we'll find out how Fist does it later on. But yeah, it's, it's all of the regular action stuff, the trauma, the tragedy, mm-hmm. um, the proficiency, but with an added layer of the handicap. And I would always love when these hard, um, scenes would come like even on the train, right? Like you're hearing the bombastic score and, and all that stuff's going on and they give you a second of her POV and everything's extremely calm. She's riding yeah. the rhythms of the train. She can, she can see she's not being distracted by their, by everything else. And I, I thought almost this idea here of cutting on the lights and blasting the music, you know, is um, a brilliant tactic because none of it bu- bugs her. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, everyone's like, wait, what's going on here? We got to turn our music off. What's going on? Eh. She'll just wait. She's you know? fine. Super, super cool. Um, um, I love that everybody's doing ASL in this. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I, I thought, one, the how they, they, uh, that was, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of people angry about in- different in- versions of inclusivity, but the people, the amount of people that don't know that Echo is deaf and they think they're just being inclusive is amazing for one. But wow. like, it, yeah, like so the the level <laughs> of ASL and this the one it was really really cool to see to see that in, you know as a character, but uh, I I really liked how just from a storytelling perspective every time you know the story is told in, you know it's her story, but every time she's doing something. Um, it seems to be as if whenever they're oh she's the focus on this shot it goes quiet so you're you're only hearing yeah. what she's hearing and then like so like yeah, on the train when she's under it you can hear all the railings go crazy during the the fight scene where Daredevil shows up you know like there's a whole level of like she can't hear what's happening she doesn't hear all the the people fighting and the scuffling she can only if I just it's such a fun way to tell the story and in such yeah. a unique way so it definitely sold it sells the more actiony events as she is special because like i'd have been dead you know yeah. and, <laughs> and i got both and i can and yeah. i can hear everything <laughs> i can hear and i don't have a prosthetic leg you know and like i'd have yeah. been dead twice you know like, yeah. so it, it definitely sells on how special echo or maya lopez really is yeah i think in in a weird way with everything that happened with her parents and then her upbringing with Fisk, she's kind of lived the life of a caged animal, like mm-hmm. where she's had to come up with defenses just in case anyone were to attack her and just in case anyone were to try to get at her. She doesn't want to be vulnerable, even though she has these vulnerabilities. Um, and that means doubling down twice as hard with the fighting, doubling down twice as hard with the proficiency with weapons, because they're not going to use a handicap. They're not going to, um, you know, uh, use their training wheels when dealing with her. I think of when she is with Fisk's men in that first mission and they're like, oh, we don't know ASL. <laughs> like they, they can't even speak to her in that moment. She can read lips and stuff, but it's like um, it really goes to show how much she's overcoming. Because, again, she already has the tropey um, situation of having to overcome nightmares in her past and trauma and tragedy and how you build from how you build a healthy person out of that not a one-track mind you know so kind of sort of laser visioned spirit of vengeance um looking at you batman but um you know how how you can be a fully realized person and that only comes with love and the love of the people around you which i think she's about to get a uh a heart for she's about to do the whole grinch thing where her heart grows three times three sizes too big (laughs) the first she got people to kill. Uh, she starts to kill Zane's men one by one uh, in a very fun sequence. It includes a, uh, a pinball machine. At one point, she is just outright killing men with ski balls. 
Just death by ski ball. You know, just wailing those things. Um, from the trailer, she smashes through that Make America Skate Again uh, yeah. little graffiti. And then she just, like, she smashes through. Palm, she has a man's ha- head palmed. And then she just picks it up and smashes it against the ground. Blood splatters. And he's like, well, he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? I just played Spider-Man where you knock somebody off a building and he webs them up just to make sure they don't fall. And she's just yeah. smashing people's heads against the ground and hitting them with ski balls, killing them with ski balls. He's doing double tap. You know, yeah. like double tap. Nah, you ain't getting that. <laughs> yeah, she heard a groan. She's like, nah. <laughs> um, Zane shows he has Bonnie and Henry as hostages, though. So he manages to get Maya at gunpoint. And then he receives a phone call and calls his men off. They leave without a word. And Maya patches things up with Bonnie. I, I was there any doubt to who was on the phone? No, not at all. Not even one. Yeah, like, yeah there's only one man that got that reach, and they even say it. Yeah. Henry's even like, "Hey, man, there's only one person that got that sort of reach." Um, and I, I'm always this is a, a trope as well, but I'm always down for it. Like Henry's like, "I'm in." You know what? Mm-hmm. I'm in the fight, and I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go." Because I'm here already, so anybody else who's coming to the party, you know, the more the merrier. We're already here, bro. Um, so I thought that was super interesting. Uh, Henry jo- uh, decides to join the fight. Uh, Sc- Scully gives her her new shiny prosthetic leg that represents her heritage. It was really, really cool and ornate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that Maya initially was like, ah, it's a bit flashy. And he's like, show off your people. Like, show off your yeah. culture. Like, you ain't got nothing to hide. Um and they do like this montage where they like they cut over to Bonnie and they cut over to Chula and she's driving her motorcycle through beautiful Omaha, or not Omaha, or beautiful Oklahoma, and um, she gets to her house and everything's chill. And then Kingpin's just there. Yeah, chilling. He's <laughs> just standing there. I, I like did, like rewinded a little bit. I'm like, did I miss like an introduction? No. She <laughs> gets there and he's there. Um, what do you think about? Him standing there, did you have any sort of doubt in your, I mean, any sort of idea in your mind as to why he was there? Uh, I was curious, you know, they, they until the end of the episode gave us that that good old cliffhanger ending um, to a bingeable show. Um, but, but I just saw him and I'm like, oh, well, now's the story happened. Like this is, you know, he's kind of been the, um, the I mean, quite literally the out of frame antagonist. And now he's. Yeah definitely in the forefront of the of the of the story um so i I was i will say i was very excited to to truly see him in the in the in the present it felt like the moment right before the roller coaster goes down the goes on its its first big uh you know Mm -hmm. its first big uh what do you call that hill track oh decline (laughs) oh yeah decline (laughs) um yeah it's like it's it's just ticking and it's Mm -hmm. like up no, there goes Fisk. Um, so we get a flashback to young Maya in 2008 being mocked by an ice cream vendor. What a piece of crap, man. Oh, man. I got so mad at this. What a piece of And, like, you know these are children. Like, you know <laughs> these are kids. Like, what are you doing? Like, like absolutely ridiculous. And, like, and not, not to justify, there's no way he knew she was deaf. But, like, yeah. you should me to a child. Like, yeah. she's a, and she's a kid with a prosthetic leg. Like, that, yeah. Like, it's just doubly horrible. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so Kingpin takes the ice cream man into the alley and beats him nearly to death for his behavior. Um, I love this scene because it took two turns. I wasn't, I wasn't ready mm-hmm. for it. The first turn is 
Fisk then gets on the phone and is like, I need a new suit. I don't want Maya to see me like this. Which yeah. is very, it's almost very similar to how she felt about the whole Vanessa thing. When yes. he like smashed that man's head into the door and he was like, all right, I got to clean up, <laughs> you know, for Vanessa. Yeah. I don't want her to know what's going on here. So it shows a level of reverence there. The fact that he doesn't want to be seen as that in front of her. So I was yeah. already like, oh, wow, that's, I didn't know that about their relationship. And then Maya is already seeing him. So I thought that that's usually the trope, right? Like, dun, 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 you already got caught. It is what it is. She'll make up her mind about you. But then Maya runs up and starts kicking <laughs> kicking she the guy while he's down. It's wild. You know? And it's this, it, it's this permission to hurt people for hurting you. Mm-hmm. That I don't think she was ever given because you should, no one should have it. Like, I don't think it's a thing that it really exists. I don't think you can, again, eye for an eye things. I don't think someone can hurt you and you have the right to hurt them back. I think people can talk about justice and this and that and the third all day. But I don't think up until this moment she ever considered hurting others that hurt her. And seeing how flippant and easy it is for William uh, Wilson Fist to do it, this opens up the floodgates. Especially once she gets her first kill in that scene that we saw from earlier. Um, she comes over and gives the man a few kicks for good measure. And then like, just like that scene in, um, infinity war with little Gamora walking off with Thanos, you just see little old Maya in this big old Wilson Fisk walking down the street. And I'm just like, ah, the things that these two are going to do together. It's ridiculous. Yeah, We ain't ready. No, nowhere close. Um, in present day, Fisk's men put an, a contact in Maya's eye that allows Fisk's words to be translated into American sign language via hologram. Fisk explains that he's there to have another Sunday dinner with Maya, who continues to be on edge, but they do go inside. Fisk reveals that his Fisk reveals his almost healed eye and continues his plea that he's only there to share a meal. At a table, he tries to bargain with cookies, but then he outright offers her a share of his empire. He says that he's staying at the casino, but leaving for New York soon in hopes that she will be there with him. If she goes, there's an empire in it for her. Um, what do you think about this whole scene? The, this is not a kingpin I think that we've been used to before, especially dealing with a protagonist of a series. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it came off as it came off as very much almost the version we get with Vanessa, but a little more on the nose about what he's willing to do. Um, yeah, the the, the scene where he drops the knife, I stopped. Oh like, yes, I was yeah. like, oh, there's this whole like, and then he grabs it and he's holding it very aggressively towards her. And then he kind of goes limp-wristed and hands it and puts the, the handle in her hand. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, man, like, somebody got to die right now. Like, no <laughs> right. Table. Um, and then kind of also it shows just that the level of, of, of money that Fisk has when he literally has specialized tech for any he puts in the headphones. And so, yeah. so he can hear and see or she can see him like speak and he can like he whenever she signs back he's also wearing a contact and he can hear what she's saying back to him it was such a yeah oh this dude's like like i knew he's rich he's rich rich like so but also it it was the this was this was the 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 uh sequence in the show where i was just like oh no vincent d'onofrio is like he's powerful like this the energy he's exuding in this scene is like oh it's just pure power yeah there is a underlying level of menace Mm -hmm. you know like you can't even when he says all the nice stuff i got you cookies you know and all this other kind of stuff i'm still like what is the game here 
Yeah. Wilson, you're here. You understand? There's something bigger here. I, I want to point the question to you. How much of this do you think is genuine? Do you think he really does miss her? Do you think he, that she is someone that he grew fond of? Or is this a case of a man who needs to control everything? And this is something that kind of just got loose. I would say yes to both questions. Um, I think there is a level of love there. He does. She does call him her uncle Fisk. You know, yeah. she's like a pseudo daughter figure. He never had. Yeah, so you know, we see that, you know, and then you kind of when, when I think about like, you know, like we, we know that uh, Kingpin like had her dad killed. It was almost like mm-hmm. a, well, you're, you're standing in my way of having the full dominance, the full control of that, of that very powerful tool, you know, yeah. and then kind of coming here. Oh, I got your favorite cookies. Oh, here's this really nice meal that I had flown in. You know, like, I know you shot me in the face. We'll let bygones be bygones. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot that all of this is kind of like, a, I'm sorry, I killed your dad basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, i don't think it goes over well because i don't think it's yeah. enough man <laughs> yeah like, i was like here's cookies here's dinner i killed your dad you tried to kill me we're even Good. you know i got you a thing so now you can see what i'm saying without me have without me having to you know murder every other translator i have yeah you know it was it was very uh it was uh it was, it was very what do good you, what do you think about her interpretation that the technology was lazy i agree it was like you, you interesting you could have taken the time to learn it but yeah. you didn't you know you still want to do your control and i get it he's powerful you know he's rich right. he's got he's got people to kill he's got businesses to run you know lives to destroy you know you yeah. can't take time you can't take 20 minutes a day do some i don't know if duolingo would work but you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. You, you can't take some classes you know like maybe he was know, worried so. about his depth perception with the whole <laughs> eye thing <laughs> they didn't oh, really know sure. how yeah. far and close um how far no but i did i did think that was an interesting statement that she made for her because we did see we have seen so many other people who don't have her affliction but have learned to communicate with her out of love even her Um, grandma like like, you know yeah it's it's no i'm saying you're 100 out of love so then when when someone else comes no one else came with with you know with thirteen thousand dollar bottle of wine but they came with what she really did need she didn't bring anything oh i don't know dr thunder oh uh, the 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 soda pop yeah i'm not sure why do you think she dumps the wine i I, my first thought was like oh he's gonna poison her oh interesting and then because he he, uh there was a scene where like she takes a drink and then he takes one afterwards and i I mean you know it was like one of those like oh like is she gonna is he gonna kill her like oh you take it I'll, i'll drink too but yeah but the idea of her going like, nah, man, or also his disrespect. You went all this way with some wine, nah, dude. Here's some soda. Like, he also takes it on the chin. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, well, uh, it was recommended. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. here's what it is. Gone now. Um, well, the cookies don't go the same way as the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And I'm also thinking to myself, this is like really, really close quarters. Like this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't the big dining room table that they're usually at, where he's there and she's like they're like right next to each other. If something's about to go down, it could get pretty dangerous. But no, he kind of just leaves that offer um, on the table for for uh, for her. I guess hoping that it's enticing enough that she it's something that she wants. Um, so uh, Henry advises her not to take the deal expressing how much he wished that they never got tangled in with in this web with fisk in the first place um suddenly she receives another vision but so does her grandma chula 
Henry takes Maya to see Chula, who instantly warms up to her once she hears of their shared visions. Chula tells her that their ancestors helped them when they need it most, recounting a vision that she received when giving birth to Maya's mother. She explains that generations echo through her. Uh, Maya leaves in anger, feeling abandoned by Chula as a child. I like this scene, and I like this scene with Henry, because both adults, who were adults when she was a child, ultimately tell her, I messed up. Yeah. Like, I did not know how to respond. And I think oftentimes, just that revelation that our parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles were regular people who had Mm -hmm. to make a judgment call right then and there. Maybe they were in their feelings at the time. Maybe they were going through something. I think even that's what the um, uncle says. He's like, I was confused. Because she was like, you left me. Like, my dad died and he left me. He was like, I was confused. You know, I had a lot going on, but I'm sorry. And... We'll go through this with Fisk in a bit, but what do you do when you've built up a narrative in your mind that all these people abandoned you and now they're all apologizing and they're saying, come back. We love you. We care about you. It's hard. This was, it's one of those, it's a humanizing part of the, of the whole, you know, where it's like, she's built this wall, you know, quite, I mean, not quite literally, but quite figuratively around herself, around everyone, you know, away from everyone that she grew up with, you know, after her, her mom and dad both died. And to see them going like, hey, I made a mistake. You know, like, we we understand you're mad at us and you have every right to be. But, like, we're also just people. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. we, you know, we're not, we're just people with, you know, feelings or whatever. I believe Henry said something along the lines of, yeah, I lost a brother. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. And then the grandma was like, you, you reminded me of my daughter. You know, like, yeah. I couldn't. And then so it was, whereas I, when, you know, when you meet Henry, it's like, oh, okay, you know, but then when you, meet, when I met the grandma the first time, my first thought was, oh, she tried, she had the brake lines cut because she wanted <laughs> to die. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I quickly found out how wrong I was, but uh, I thought that was really, like, <laughs> it was a fun hand cannon for the first hour. Um, right, right. And then, you know, and then you find out like, oh, at the end of the day, like, they're just like, everyone's hurt. Like, you know, and, and then I, I think that's what, where we kind of see the the beginnings of Maya breaking down the walls that she's worked so effective in building. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, breaking the generational curse of all these lies and weird misconceptions about each other. Um, and their family is only going to get stronger for it. But I don't blame her for like walking out in this situation because I do honestly believe that she doesn't know how to confront those feelings. You know, I, I've, I've, I've been there before. It, it, you know, if you, you have an axe to grind with somebody and you're like, oh yeah, whatever. Then they're like, I'm sorry. And you're like, but I, I'm grinding this axe. <laughs> like yeah. I bought the axe. I'm grinding yeah. the axe. Like, what do you mean? You're sorry. <laughs> I'm here to punish you. You don't make the, don't like now you're, now it's my fault. You know, like, right? yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm here to hurt you and you're, you're healing me. Like that's yeah. wrong. Like, let's let this toxicity happen. It's like, no, nah, man, let's, let's end it. Yeah, and and I think that the actress who plays Chula does um, like this entire speech with about the generations is really done with a level of gravitas. There's a level of um of of hope, of love, of um of sympathy, of of all that in this conversation. Like I said, but when I first saw her, she just had, had that stern look and was like, "Tell her to go back home," kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you know she's here, and um, the way she just opened 
when once she realizes that they're having the same vision, there's no denying their connection. And I think that was the final straw for Chula, uh, you know, that final wall of resistance. You know, that why am I fighting this? Like she's literally having the same, she's seeing the same things that I'm seeing, mm-hmm. which I believe my daughter did, which I believe my ancestors from before did, you know. Um, it's almost like she is getting an inheritance, you know, <laughs> from 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 that side of the family. Um, Chula, Chula, Chula. Chula later begins to work diligently on a special garment. Uh, that night, Maya goes to Fisk's hotel with the intention of killing him. Revealing to her that he killed his father after beating his mother, Fisk gives her the very same hammer he used to kill his father and demands that she make good on her threat, but she chooses not to and leaves. This is an incredibly loaded uh, scene. Um, one of the things I want to say, because I saw it as a joke, they put, um, oh my gosh, these recasts are getting crazy. They recasted the hammer. <laughs> yeah, you, I was, I was going to make the joke and I, you took it from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. But I laughed. I was like, oh, okay. And then somebody else was like, oh, it's a thematic thing. I've heard I've heard stories that they picked up the hammer for whatever reason. But I, I, do, I like to think that while the Netflix universe is canon, we might be like a hair off. Yeah. You know, like just a sliver sense. off. So everything's going to seem kind of... Because we don't even have the same actress playing Vanessa for Daredevil Born Again. That actress really? isn't coming back. They've casted. They've casted a, a new actress for Vanessa, in Born Again, because um, the old actress was um, Superman's mom in Man of Steel. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She's Superman's mom in Man of Steel. Um, she was getting a little bit too feisty too. She was doing. She was calling on hits and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Vanessa getting a little crazy. Um, but yeah, we bring back the hammer. This is the most concrete proof that this that we're in the same universe as the one that we remember from Marvel's Netflix. So how did you feel about that revelation? And how did you feel about this moment where Fisk gives her the opportunity to quote unquote free herself the same way he freed himself from the tyranny of a perceived evil man? Um, Oh, I think it's kind of back to the, uh, the apologizing. He is healing. You know, he's essentially going like, this is why I've done it. This is what I did. If you want to be free of me, this is your opportunity to be free of me. And, mm. you know, and then you see her having started the healing process from all the things. Not, yeah. I mean, it's almost like she's breaking the tradition, you know, the uh, essentially ending the echo, so to speak, of uh, yeah. of all of the, the violence begatting more violence. Um, right. And where, where she's like, oh, I just want to, you know, we're done. Like, essentially, I think that was her way of going like, I'm done. You're done. You know, we'll just, you know, instead of killing you, I'm going to walk away. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was, you, that's how I see What do you think is in Fist's mind in that moment? Do you think that he'll be down with her taking the shot if that's what she wants? Or do you think that he had any doubt that she would even, you know, like, he's like, ah, she won't do it. So I'll just give her the option and see, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and yell uh, a bunch of things at her. Do it. Come on. Hit me. <laughs> Uh no, yeah, Fisk his now his terminology or his the thought process would be way harder to gather, um you know because he plays he's playing 3D chess while everyone else is just playing checkers, yeah. um it was almost as if if she takes it I don't think he would have let her kill him, right you know I think it was definitely a test but not not in the way that 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 he's letting her believe. Um I would wager it's like hey this is you know it's 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 Superman giving Batman a kryptonite. Hey, this yeah. stops me, you know, 
Whereas yeah. it's not like a, oh, take me out right now. Um, so I, I, you know, um, I would like to have seen that fight though. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like one she got to do, she got to do the hesitation kick. Yeah. yeah, she got to do that hesitation kick though. Um, I like that she made this choice, and I th- I agree with you wholeheartedly. It it is a um, it is a declaration of independence in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. you want me tied to your story and this story and all of the blood and the violence that have become of it, and we've both written up why we are um justified in all of our actions because of our past and because of this and the, nah, none of that. It's like the the uh, the Spider Man. Like, I don't go home. Like you know. So, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm going. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going home. Uh, so I like that. Um, and we really see his because Maya. Then when she leaves, she reflects on all the good and the bad uh, life has brought her since meeting Wilson Fisk and everyone who's kind of been hurt because of it. And the next morning, uh, Fisk flips out because they tell her like she's gone and she's not coming with you to New York. And we start getting a little bit more of man, baby Fisk. We had a whole episode where he was kind of behaving himself. You know, he was kind of for the most part. He was not flipping out. Um, but it's because he perceived to, that he was going to get the things that he wants. And when, so long as Fisk is getting what he wants, the man is very well behaved. It's when he doesn't get what he wants <laughs> that, you know, people get their head in car doors. Um, so in a flashback, we see young Maya injure a woodpecker by shooting it with a slingshot. She brings the bird to her mother who scolds her and reminds her that they shouldn't hurt living things. In their culture, woodpeckers are said to transmit messages between ancestors. So it's double bad that she hurt this creature. Suddenly, Maya's mom uh, places her fingers on the bird and just like her ancestors before her, her hands begin to glow. Suddenly, the bird uh, perks up, good as new. And I thought this scene was beautiful because we in this moment we realized that this killer we've been following this entire time was raised as a healer was raised by a healer that's the path that she was supposed to be on this entire time and what happens when you fall into the wrong crowds or you let um certain traumatic events uh put you in the wrong situations or when you lose hope I mean, if anyone's ever been at that point where you, when you're at rock bottom, it's really hard to look up and it's really hard to improve yourself or want to do anything worth a damn because you don't believe that one, uh, you care about yourself or that anyone else cares about you. So, um, it's tragic where she, where she ended up, but unlike other heroes, unlike Fisk, she's not in an abusive household. You know what I'm saying? The building blocks of Maya are still good. Like the ones that were set there by her father, by her mother, by her grandparents, by Bonnie, you know, by Biscuit, <laughs> all, all the, uh, you know, those building blocks there, they're still, that's still a good foundation. Um, and I will see her build off of it. Uh, but what do you think of this early scene? Kind of what do you think of the introduction of that Maya's mama had powers? Um, I, I like, I like that. Uh, I believe she kind of, uh, the grandma references it, that she was a healer. Um, yeah, but I don't think it goes farther than that until we see this scene and you see her literally. I, I don't know. It doesn't show the bird, but I, I was under the impression the bird was dead. And then Maya's mom, fixed she it. hit it pretty. She hit it pretty hard. I mean, slingshot <laughs> hurt. You've been hit by yeah. one. It ain't fun. Um, right. <laughs> so so like it was I it was nice. But yeah, you're right. I, you know, you see the foundation that was being built, the foundation of caring, of love, of, you know, her daughter was just curious to see her mom's powers. And then in the end, the mom was like, "No, like you know, we can, we don't have to do that. Like this is, we're, this is for the good of all." Uh, 
you know, it was, it also brought a level of, of a heartbreak to like the mom's death, like a very senseless death. You know, you yeah. the world lost a really, really important, really, really amazing person who could have healed people. Due to and the irony, right, that the healer couldn't heal herself, like that, yeah. the, the the irony that in that moment she would need if some someone to have done that and she couldn't. Um, I think, yeah, that's tragic as well. And I, 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 it's just so ironic that she would get such a lesson imparted on her at such a young age of we don't hurt innocent mm -hmm. things, we don't hurt things just to hurt them. We don't do that. And what who she ends up yeah. becoming, you yeah, know, later is. on, right, right. Um, in present day, Maya gets rid of Kingpin's contact in her eye, um, and ignores some text from Biscuit about people missing until she sees a woodpecker, which suddenly flies away. Realizing something is wrong, Maya heads to Oklahoma and just in time as Zane and his men have just infiltrated their cultural affair known as the Choctaw powwow. She goes to Chula's house first, but ironically finds her mother there. They have a heart-to-heart -heart where her mom tells her that she needs to let go of the pain of losing her because they will always be together. Maya is never alone because she will always have the spirits of her ancestors to protect her. Maya, Maya finds an ornate superhero suit uh, that uh, Chula made for her and that celebrates her Choctaw heritage in another room and dons it en route to stop this all once and for all. She infiltrates the celebration and finds a barn where Kingpin has Bonnie captive. Kingpin tries to reason with Maya, but the two are far from reconciliation, especially considering he has her family hostage. <laughs> again, <it>. again, <laughs> reconciliation by gunpoint is never really yeah. <laughs> is never really the plan. But is this is this another act of desperation? Is this another um, almost obvious um, case to prove that he does care about Maya in this? I wouldn't say care. Um, it, it's kind of that. It's a a level of attachment that's beyond wholesome. It's you know, it's it's. I would say it's almost property at this point. She's not. A, she's not allowed to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't go. I let you go. You know, um, you're a tool for my empire. Yeah, you can be the queen pin. Um, yeah, but yeah, you're at the end of the day, like you're just running what I need you to take care of, as opposed to being your own individual person. Um, yeah, you know. And you got to you got to think Fisk is all tangled up with attachment issues, and oh, again, who, uh, and this is this is what I've always loved about like the stories of powerful people or you know evil powerful people mm. is that you, all the money in the world if she doesn't want to go she ain't going. Yeah, don't don't it really don't matter. I don't care. You know, maybe you kill her, maybe whatever, but you never got it. You never got what you wanted, and no matter how much money or men or guns that you have, you can't take her. She doesn't yeah. want to go. Um, and I think that that's powerful in and of itself. Um, he orders one of his men to hit her. And suddenly Maya gets imbued with the ancient powers of her ancestors again. Um, they stand in spirit by her side. This was a very, uh, uh, I am all the Sith. I am all the Jedi. <laughs> I was like, yeah, gang, gang. We got all of them. We all out here. Uh, Chopper's out here. We got Lojack, Loak. Loak, I said Lojack. Loak, Loak. Pardon me, people. This is the first time I'm saying a lot of this stuff out loud. But yeah, was how cool of a visual was that to have them standing next to her like that? I, I liked it. You know, I like, I like, I like, I like good symbology myself. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 a little um, 
I think it's a little, I hate to say it again. On the nose? It's a little on the nose, yeah. It's kind of my go-to phrase. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. you're behind me. Well, yeah, but you, I mean, so I understand the symbology. It's almost like, look how powerful I am with them yeah. behind me, which I appreciate. Um, I didn't so much love the next part, if you want to go into to that. Oh, when you talk about when Fist gets fingered? Is that where, is that where we're getting? Uh, that? No, uh, no, the, that uh, kind of. <laughs> like, so so um, she manages to share or transfer her powers? That was my problem. Okay, okay. So the only reason why I allow this is because they're all related. Yeah. If they weren't all related, <laughs> then I I could argue like, oh, we can't it's not like a USB where you're just like, Yeah, here, plug yourself up and we are good to go. If if the ancestors are the ones powering them, then That's they should fair. not pick and choose. They shouldn't get to pick and choose. <laughs> Somebody help Bonnie, please, for the love of God. But <laughs> yeah. does that mean is it only women? Does that mean biscuits could tap into this, <laughs> this yeah, power? Exactly. You know, get his PlayStation back. He was trying to sell that thing for Maya. For a hundred dollars. Come on, dude. Man. I'll send you, I'll, I'll give you a PlayStation for the <laughs> Come on, man. That's love right there. <laughs> um, so outside, Henry shoots Zane before he can target the festival with a rocket launcher. And Biscuit runs over his men's vehicles with a monster truck. Uh, with his men disposed of. Fisk tries to strike at Maya, but she places her fingers on his head and brings him back to his place of trauma, his childhood home. She instructs him to leave this part of his life behind, but he, like, violently refuses, and they snack back to reality, where he demands to know what she's done, but chooses to escape to live another day. What do you think happened in this moment? Is Kingpin changed? Did she actually do something to him? Um, I'm so that this to me is like it's one of those arguable like who shot first, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. I like the idea that a part of Fisk is uh, or at least part of that that level of trauma that he clearly carries with him everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. as we see when he talks about the painting and you know with the hammer and everything. Um, I like to think that part of him, that part of him, is gone. So now we only now he's only the meticulous, powerful guy. He's just not controlled by his anger. Because I think yeah. that's really good character development, but also it makes him a lot more, uh, a lot more lethal. You know, not being yeah. controlled by anger makes you, you know, definitely frees up some some extra stuff. But also the the fact that the how strong he gets when he thinks about his dad, or you know, when he yeah. crushes the guy's skull using that anger he has. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued on. I'm curious to know if if he if if he is cured of the trauma, cured of the trauma, or if it's just like, uh, she just got in his head, you know, um, and he, but he was clearly afraid. And what that, which is yeah. a, a, something we've never, we've not seen from Bisk is being right. fearful. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, like you were saying, it, he almost has a refusal to let that go because mm-hmm. like I was, like we were talking about earlier, what are you if you put away those vendettas? That yeah. you placed up on every wall as reason as to why you're justified in doing what you do. Uh, with that anger pulled away, who are you? Now what? What do you do? And um, so I thought that was pretty interesting there because we see how much this means to him and how much of a slight it is. It's really, really hard if you've been slighted yeah. to, to come out of that other side and being like, 
I pray for them. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't bring them with me anymore. I don't <laughs> think about them anymore. I don't, you know, I'm not raising my kids out of spite to not be like them anymore. Like it's, it's really, really hard to, to cross that. Um, and I, I like that Maya is the one that's able to do it for him, but I think you land on something very important. I do think that this man child version of Fisk is one that is quite different from the comics. Uh, he's always been shown, like you said, to be a metic meticulous planner, um, and he's incredibly ruthless, but he's never been, in my opinion, emotional. Maybe when it comes to things with Vanessa, you know, we see him do a little bit of this in, in Spider-Verse when he's going after, like, getting his family. Yeah. But for the most part, he seems way more calculated than emotional. And if she's removed the emotional part of all this, you know, maybe he's the kind of person that people might want to go to the ballots for. And we'll get to we'll get we'll get there uh very soon. So the series ends with Maya driving over to Chula for a family dinner. This warmed my heart because mm -hmm. again, she's been eating with Fisk or probably by herself this entire time. <laughs> You know, knowing yeah. that every time she eats with him, some interpreter is going to die or something like that. And <laughs> there's something about if you're blessed enough to receive it, there's something about the unconditional love that a family can have, that mm -hmm. they don't ask anything of you, that they don't want anything from you, that just the the overall your presence and yeah, you guys being together um, and the energy that that kind of permeates. This is the chicken soup for the soul that she needs for everything that's been going on. She needs to sit down and just have this dinner. Let the, let time slow down for a bit where you're not running on trains and loading guns and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, dealing with sci-fi contacts. Um, uh, so you can get to a point of, of healing and, and, and live life, not just survive it, which I feel like is what she's been doing for, uh, for a long time. What do you think about that scene of, of her choosing to sit down for this family dinner? Well, I think it, it mean, does tie back to Fisk where it's like they always have family dinner, but it always seemed very controlled. And that's where he, you know, enlisted her into his army and, you know, everything. And then this this level of, you know, we're all here instead of being forced to be here. You know, the only agenda here is that we all spend time together and eat. Uh, it's yeah. just, it, I mean, I do think it's about familial love. Um, also, as a quick side note, I feel like a lot of the the shows we're starting to get are all ending in a in a family dinner. You know, you, <laughs> I, you know, you get it in She Hulk. I believe you had it in Miss Marvel as well. There's always yeah, just yeah, a family yeah. dinner at the end to kind of go, oh, everything's okay now. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I I love bringing it back to that because there's a lot of good and bad that starts at that dinner table in a lot of mm -hmm. people's lives. You know, um, those those dinners for good or for ill do shape you, whether they're at your house, whether they're at grandma's house, whether the, you're the one cooking the Sunday dinner for the next generation. Um, so much happens there. And um, Maya is only going to get better from here. I love the kind of uh, maybe a bit on the nose way that they kept saying Echo and now we, she has her code name. It is Echo. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I did dig that. Um like I said, I like the lead in this, Alakwa Cox. I think she did a, a tremendous job. I think it's kind of ironic that she's Alakwa Cox and Charlie Cox is uh, Daredevil. Oh, just yeah. Two un just two unrelated Cox sometimes, just just, just hanging out. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. And then it fades to black, and I'm like, that was cute. And then it says, do you want to skip the credits? And I go, what do you mean skip the credits? <laughs> what do you mean? Are you telling me there's something on the other side of this? I press it, and we're with Wilson Fisk, and he's on his jet. 
he's thinking about what's the next thing I have to do. I have to, we need to call all the five families and we need to figure out something, something, something or other. And on the news, <laughs> almost, almost cheesily, yes. they're just going on. <laughs> they're like, this mayor race is crazy. This guy's running on the polls and he's such a loser. If only someone who's like big and bald with a suit can just come in and become <laughs> a candidate, you know, like a bare knuckle fighter, like a, like someone from the real street, someone who can really gets it. And you just yeah. see like a glimmer in fist's eye. He starts to kind of realize that um, he can get his respect, admiration, and power kind of the legal way. And this story was something done in the comics, Mayor Fisk. I think it's a Charles Soule uh, storyline that I will now be picking up and reading because I, I want spoilers. <laughs> or at least, you know, how that story went in that universe, I'd like to see. Um, but what do you think about this hook? And this is obviously going to lead to the events of Daredevil Born Again. Uh, what do you think about this path for Fisk now? Uh, it, it is... It is uh, interesting, especially because you know, a lot of politicians are crooks. Sorry, bad joke. Yeah. Not bad joke. It's no, real. No, no, it's the truth. It's, it's true. totally real. Um, 100%. No, the, the idea of, you know, one of the the biggest street-level villains going like, oh, I'm going to attain power the legal way. You know, then I can then I can effectively run my whole criminal empire. You know, I can yeah. give, you know, that I think this is a fun way to go. Um, it also... You know, assuming he wins because, you know, the comic run, um, we'll see the after effects of this in potentially Spider-Man 4, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, Miss Marvel and Daredevil, any street yeah. level heroes that we see, even if there's a season two or if they do a follow up show of some sort, we're going to see the the Fisk uh, election at the after effects of that going forward, at least for, well, what, six years for a mayor? Um, yeah. At least that's more than we've seen on other than, you know, a celestial hanging out of the earth. So yes, yeah, yeah, um, that's another reason why I like this series. It just referred to things that have happened, which a lot of these haven't been doing for a while. Yeah. It's like this thing was like, hey, remember Daredevil? And I'm like, I do remember Daredevil. Yeah. I'm glad it you was remember Daredevil. <laughs> I enjoyed Daredevil. Great. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. Um, uh, but you're, you're so, saying that like what if you're talking about if you're talking about um, and there was a rumor that fisk is might be presented in the future to be a almost thanos level threat to yes. um um more grounded uh street level superheroes how you gonna beat city hall man how you gonna beat the mayor you know yeah. if he becomes the mayor it, it, very similarly daredevil chose to become a lawyer to do things the right way and then when things don't go right the right way he'll put on the suit and he'll get things done the other way um what does that look like when you're literally going against up against the law when you're going up against, you know, uh, that he is status quo now. Yeah, he is. He's he's the puppet master. He does get to pull the strings, and I want to see how everybody in the Defenders universe uh, goes about dealing with something like that. I think a much quieter, smaller story uh, uh, is really what Marvel needs right now because the universe can only expl explode. The multiverse can only be at risk so yeah. much. And I know we're about to get into all that, but I would like something a bit more quaint. Uh, mm -hmm. to play around in um, in the future. So I'm super excited about what this what this means for the future of Fisk and, and everybody involved. Um, like I said, again, I, I did feel like this was chopped up quite a bit. I don't know exactly what they wanted to do versus what they managed to do. I do think that the overall product that comes that came out was enjoyable. And mm -hmm. I, I, I would say I put a lot of that on the cast. 
put a lot of that on the likability of the cast and the skis ability of other people that you're not supposed to like <laughs> in the cast. Uh, and, and, and it's messaging. It nails this messaging. Um, whether it got Maya exactly to where they wanted her when this ended is up to them. And she, I hope it's a character that we end up seeing in the future. But I think the, the solid messaging of, you know, the, there's always time to go back to family. There's always time to go back home. Um, and if you don't, if, unfortunately, if you don't have that kind of situation, you can build that situation with good people around you who look after you, who care about you and, um, who are on the same page as you and want you to live a healthy life alongside them. Uh, you can't beat a message like that. Agreed. Yeah. So on the um, on the prediction cast, you know, I said I I, I said that I I thought Echo would be a, a four point eight out of five. Um, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna call back all mine all my predictions. Um, I did. I, it. I'd probably go back. I would say closer to a three and a half to four after watching out of five. I think that's fair. Overall, still enjoyable. Uh, had a lot of really good representation, you know, for a lot of the deaf communities. Um, for the um, Choctaw, oh man, I forgot. Yeah, okay. yeah. no, hundred percent Choctaw. To see a lot of the the representation there. Um, my only real issue was that it felt to me like the show didn't really have any high stakes until the very end. Um, right. So like, and like, also, I, you know, we all we all knew that Fistboy was kind of the antagonist. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we didn't know he was the antagonist until well into it, you know. So right. I, I, I think it could have. And he's kind of not defeated, right? He didn't. Yeah, really no, not at all. He get is, defeated. So he's healed, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's doing. It Thanks for that. Way. I'll come back next week. We'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. So so overall, very enjoyable. Uh, anyone who wants to go back and watch it definitely should go watch it. Um, they'll get some really fun action sequences, and then you get to see Charlie Cox return as Daredevil in the uh, in the opening episode. So, uh, personally, I'm really excited going forward, especially like you said, like street level. You know, having yeah. a street level big villain, you know, would it would be a lot of fun. Um, my only, my biggest curiosity now, because I don't think it's been announced anything, is when are we getting John Bernthal back? I don't think it's been officially announced. He's been flirting around with it for a while now, though. I think it's like one of those worst kept secret kind of situations. Yeah. I do think he will be in Born Again. Um, Marvel's going to be very meticulous as, as how they choose to roll these characters back in. It, up until last week, we didn't even get confirmation that Foggy and, and Karen were coming back. And now it's been announced that, that, that those characters are set to come back. Um, and I hear, I hear that that's, that was like a last minute adjustment because they heard that the fan base was going to be very mad if i think it was rumored at one point that foggy was dead that when we come into the story oh. foggy's gone and you know matt's not been daredevil for a bit because of you know because of all that um i will say also this i did like this more than iron fist season one which i think <laughs> i think needs to be said <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like a lot of things more than iron fist season one uh, <laughs> there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think I like um, Defenders more than Iron Fist season one. And, you know, yeah, that- yeah. And again, and I'll yell about it because I always yell about it. Now that everything's connected, y'all got some explaining to do because there was some dragon bones underneath the city. <laughs> and nobody said a damn thing about it. Spider-Man's been up and down. Hawkeye's chilling. What's going on with the dragon bones? Somebody got to tell me, man. Gosh, they blew up They blew up a building. They blew up, a- <laughs> they blew up that building with Daredevil and Electra and ain't nobody say a damn word. Bonkers. Well, they they but- also destroyed the... The Statue of Liberty. So I like, oh, was talking about Yes, so. you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I just want to see when um, MCU Luke Cage meets uh, Blade for the first yeah. time. And he's like, you look familiar. 
the year. Yeah, I, think remember seeing, I think I think I remember seeing you. Um, the other other actress was uh, Alfre Woodard, was Mariah Dillard Stokes yes. in 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 Luke Cage, but she's also the person who guilt trips Tony Stark in Civil War. Yeah. But I think he was the only one to meet her, so yeah. <laughs> so there won't be no confusion. Well, and, going and on just, there. just to put it on the record, all the bad stuff that happened, Sokovia, whatnot—that's all Tony Stark's fault. Civil War, if, if yeah. they would, and I'm not saying Tony Stark's a bad guy. I'm saying no. he's trying to think too big and trying to do what he wants to do. If yeah. so, if Tony Stark and the Sokovia, if they were just the Stark Accords, it would have been fine. You know, she literally guilt tripped them into guilt tripping the team. Yes. No, yeah, and, I, and Steve's like, what are you, bro? <laughs> we got to do this. Yeah. Like, save his hands are our own. He's like, no, no, he killed a bunch of people, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. Fuck. You made Ultron. Yeah, you did. Bruce. Like, you did this of your own accord. You know, science like, bros. Yeah. No, I, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> no, 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 I, I like we've this conversation. We're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to uh, put a pin in it, but we'll definitely come back around because the major issues podcast drops each and every week. We got a new night Thursday since we passed our 300th episode. Um, it's been a blast kind of shifting the schedule because it allows us to do things like binge this entire series or read, um, some more comics and do provide more content for you guys. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. However you found this episode, just know that every episode of the Major Issues Podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, to find YouTube, Spotify, and more. If you just Google Major Issues Podcast, we'll be the first ones to pop right up. But everything comic book click lives at comicbookclick.com. So go to comicbookclick.com and you will see our uh, merchandise, articles written by us, but also every episode of the Major Issues Podcast lives there. That's over 310 episodes. It's like 600 hours of content. So go through. We've covered it all. I think we may have covered every single Defenders show uh, and series, both Iron Fist seasons, both Punisher seasons, both Jessica Jones seasons. Oh, sorry, all three Jessica Jones seasons, Luke Cage, Defenders, uh, and more. So go back and check out those episodes to see how we were feeling when we were testing those waters and compare it to how we're feeling now with what's going on with their reintroduction into the MCU. Um, We do a lot. Oh, and we're all over. So uh, tell a friend to tell a friend about us and reach out to us on social media, facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, we're doing this each and every week. So yeah, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Uh, go and hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. For as little as ten cents a day, three dollars a month. That's come on, that's nothing. Three dollars a month, you can help us keep our lights on here and afford the hardware and the software that we need to keep providing you guys with free content. We're doing this podcast each and every week for free, from the goodness of our hearts and because we genuinely love doing it. But we're going into the future to produce a bunch more other kinds of content, including major previews, which is our new video series that drops once a month. Uh, now, February episode will be coming out sometime soon to talk about some of the uh, comic book solicitations and things coming out in February. We got a bunch of stuff coming down. You know, uh, what if we still haven't covered on here? Scott Pilgrim takes off. We still haven't covered on here. Um, and then I know, Asa, you can't wait for Madam Web, which is right around the corner. <laughs> you know me. You know me. <laughs> Sony so, versing it up. 
That's it, baby. So, yeah, man. Get on the bandwagon before the bandwagon becomes full. Because I've been to the future. It's almost like my ancestors showed it to me. And we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. But I can't tell you how we do it. Because if I do, it ends up messing up the timeline. And next thing you know, everyone, there's a Madam Web 2, 3, 4, 5. No one wants the world that where that exists. So, to get on the bandwagon before it becomes full. Rate and review us on iTunes. Share the link wherever you want. And go ahead and hit up our uh, sponsor, Magic Mind. And thank you for matching my for sponsoring us check out that link in the description and uh yeah go ahead and get you some of that asa where you will want the people to find you do you want to be found uh if you want to find me i'm on threads at uh, asa h griffith uh instagram as well um you see a lot of cute kids uh and i <laughs> on threads on instagram and on threads i yell about politics and uh how much i love hate the philadelphia eagles Awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, but, bro, thank you again for getting on. Um, this was a hell of an, an episode. And every time I have these conversations with you, I already come with my own appreciation uh, of the medium. But I feel like we really answer some really the hard questions that they're really trying to posit here. I think that's kind of what these the, this art form is made for. It, us mm -hmm. both looking at a, what is it, a, a rabbit in a snowbank? I forget what the name of that painting is. Uh, rabbit in a in a storm or something like that. Um, yeah, rabbit in a snowstorm, like I think is it. Yeah, we're both looking at the rabbit in a snowstorm. And we're seeing two different things, but um, but you know the image still comes together and it always does beautifully. Um, so I that's all I've got for this episode. My name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am All Star Asa Griffiths. And this has been our Echo Recap and Review. And remember, whether you're a devil in Hell's Kitchen, the fat man himself <laughs> got powers from your ancestor or only want some biscuits in your life, remember that we are the click. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy.